0: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of H.W. Full Circle. I'm your host, as always, Jack Smith, with my good friend here, Steve Ferrari. This is the show where we speak about your Metro division, or as it would be this year, the East Mass Mutual division. Uh, some around the NHL news, and we bring it all back full circle to your Philadelphia Flyers. We also talk about, quite frankly, whatever grinds our gears. Um, a, lot, a lot of games went down this week. Uh, Before we get into everything, guys... Just want to remind you that HW has teamed up with Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. With the redesigned electric trimmer, the Manscaped team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And they've just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. The premium battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can shave longer. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming. Areas for a closer and more precise trimming, and let's not forget about that charging stand. Show off your mower loud and proud, because the intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. They also just released their new refined cologne. It is powerful, but it is delicious. Uh, I strongly recommend, and it will last you quite a while because only one spritz is needed. You need to experience this precision firsthand. Let's get that bush to tush clean. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the promo code HW at manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties. Your balls will thank you for it. All right. So we are going to do our best this week to not talk about the Flyers. Uh, we will talk about the teams associated with the Flyers this year, but if we talk about the Flyers, I may flip my table. So we'll <laughs> save that for the main show. We might touch on a few things, um, but I'll just ask real quick, Steve. Uh, some big news did go down that might not affect us this year, but could affect uh, the Metro going forward. As uh, one of my favorite players, at least who are were available, was finally traded. Uh, Your thoughts on the Dubois line a swap and that whole saga there with Columbus. I
1: mean, the way I look at it, Pierre-Luc Dubois was, had to get traded after the abysmal effort he gave, I guess it was Thursday or so. I think it was Thursday. He played like four minutes in the first period. And I don't think he saw the ice the rest of the game. Yeah. He, he, he had to go. He, he requested a trade. Everybody knew it. Um, so In a way, he was kind of damaged goods. Um, I think he's an excellent player. Um, He's a top-line center in this league, Um, but I don't know if it was Columbus. I don't know if it was Tortorella, maybe a combination of both. Um, But you knew he was going to get moved. And I got to give Yarmo Kekalainen props for taking a guy that he had to trade. There was really no other option. You could say you hold on to him and you kind of play chicken with the guy, but he was uh, kind of being a cancer in the room, and, and you just can't have that. So for him to turn that around and get um, Patrick Laine and then uh, Jack Roslevic on top of it, I, I mean, I, I, it's hard to trade a center for a wing, but at the end of the day, to trade a, the number three overall pick for the number two overall pick in that same draft, um, I, I think Yarmo did a great job. A, and I love the return Blue Jackets got. Um, for a guy that basically he had one foot, maybe one and a half feet out the door and you knew he had to go. Um, I don't know what about the fit with line A and torts, um, but all in all, I think uh, Columbus got as much as they possibly could have for a guy that they didn't really have a choice of trading.
0: Yeah, this definitely shocked me. I was actually um, had a at a viewing when this went down. Uh, we were all walking out finally, and I'm, my phone's just blowing up about this. Um, it was tough for me to say goodbye to any chance at line eight, but at the same time, knowing the Flyers right now, he is nothing but a luxury. They have some serious other issues they need to deal with, so it's probably the best. Um, I do like opportunity and seeing – I'm kind of glad that he was able to uh, – line Linen was able to get what he did um, because I felt – the Flyers were going to they were gonna trade for Line A. I'm never never really in on Dubois, but uh, for Line a, I was hoping to get some kind of deal, and we really can't be giving up defensemen. And this trade just it kind of fell in both their laps, and it kind of made sense. One disgruntled player for another. Not, not exactly something I could see the Flyers pulling off without giving up too much. Um, the odd thing is I, I do – for this season, it's obviously a win for Columbus. They get a disgruntled player out. They bring in a hell of a player in Line A. They also, uh, Jack Roslovic is a pretty solid player as well. Yo, both guys are young. Um, and just want to read this real quick. It looks like they retained 26% of Line's salary for the season, which evens out the cap hits between Line a and Dubois. So no added salary for Columbus other than what they added in Roslovic. So that's not too bad. Of course, Dubois has next year on his contract, Line a does not. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, they have a cap space to re-sign him. I believe he's still a restricted free agent. I, we'll have to see what happens. If he and Torts don't gel, which I'd be shocked if they did, uh, it's already being speculated that Liney gets moved for a center, another some kind of center. I don't know who or where, but that's already like the early speculation. They just can't see this working out. I agree with you 100%, though. He definitely got some good value here considering the situation. When a guy – comes out and says he's demanding a trade and it, it just devolves into he's getting benched after what was it 30 seconds of ice time or something like that he it's got like hard four minutes and that was four, four minutes yeah it's it's hard to move a guy when he puts you know you want to you want out we'll play ball a little bit and make yourself some it's like the james harden situation but he's a but bona fide superstar we don't know much about dubois yet uh you know you, you want out i got to kind of play the game a little bit you know how this works you know but it just they didn't do that and I don't think Tortorella helped I feel like he was disgruntled Dubois and everybody was staying quiet and so I think it was last week Tortorella came out and said I don't know exactly what he said about him but he kind of addressed the situation and that's where everything just went to shit like even worse and all of a sudden he's being benched and he's out of there just like that and it's because he just feels the need. That's Tortorella for you. He can be a great coach. He can get this, you know, whatever out of certain guys. But at the end of the day, certain superstars and certain players, they hate him for a reason. And I think it's they, they could have had something in Dubois. Now maybe it's not Tortorella. Maybe it's or maybe it's more than Tortorella is what I should say because it's definitely Tortorella. But it's this kind of I get that guys the hierarchy works. You listen to your coach. But I don't know if he has any opportunity to just, like, work with a guy. And I don't know exactly what happened, but this happens too often with Tortorella. You know, you, you, you shouldn't just be on the boss and you do what I say. Like, you have to manipulate certain players and situations, treat every case differently. And he's not like that. And you're seeing these superstar players always wanting out of Columbus. You know, and I that's bad. And I there's no way that, in my mind, there's no way that line a is a Columbus blue jacket in like two years. You know, I just, there's no way. Yeah. And
1: it's funny because two, two markets that players just don't necessarily gravitate to um, Columbus and Winnipeg. These are the two teams making the trades for two players that wanted out of those, those markets. So it's a interesting deal between two less than ideal places that superstars want to go. But I think Torts has some blame, and I think he's also of that same mindset. Like, if you don't want to be in the room, then go F yourself. I don't want you in the room either. But there, there's a time and a place for that. And I'm wondering if some of the rumors with Pierre-Luc Dubois, if he was trying to see if he could kind of old-school his way into Dubois's uh, like good graces, maybe kind of challenge them. And that would make Dubois want to stay. Um, ultimately, I think you have to kind of read the room a little bit more. And it doesn't sound like Pierre-Luc Dubois was that type of player. Uh, maybe that approach with Torts, basically, he uh, he gave him the middle finger. And he was, he was not going to give the effort that is necessary on a nightly basis until he was playing for another team. Um, now, the other thing with line A, and you said uh, you kind of gave up on the line A hopes. Uh, here's one of the angles that I thought of yesterday. Um, if it doesn't work, uh, let's say line a comes there and him and Torch just don't mesh. We know line a's only got this year on his contract and he's an RFA next year. Um, how about Columbus trying to flip him at the deadline? And, and you knew Pierre-Luc Dubois couldn't stay very long. So you had to trade him as soon as possible. Now you have an asset in line a that any kind of cup contender can fit um, a, a five million dollar player who by the trade deadline is probably more like a what a two and a half million dollar player, maybe a little bit less than that. You can move him to a contender, geez, even retain a little bit of salary, and who knows what you can get back. It, a, and to me, it would be way more than saying, I'm gonna uh hold Pierre-Luc Dubois and then I'm gonna trade get the deadline and see what I can get. Like to me, you're you're getting pennies on the dollar, but with Lina you might be making a dollar ten for every dollar that he's worth. So I think it was a, a shrewd move by Kekalainen. And, and you know what? This might be one of those things we we see on paper where Laine and Torts seem like the two most opposite people that would work. Imagine this marriage working out and Laine goes out and has a, a career year. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I've seen stranger things in the NHL. So uh, to me, this was a trade that both sides did really well on, but... At the end of the day, for Columbus to get that return for a guy that wanted out, I think they did a great job.
0: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with flipping him at the deadline because I don't, I don't see him in Columbus for all that long. And like I think the second he he's already mentioned he wants to, if he were to be traded to LA or Anaheim, that extension, I don't think he's staying in Columbus. I think he wants to go where he wants to go, and he's got the, the skill to do so. Now, to your point, if things do work out and he plays very well. He could be flipped uh, at the deadline, and he could get a good a good amount of uh, assets back. It's absolutely what they should do, and I think that's more likely. Even if they don't pull it off this year, I do see him being traded at some point to somebody. I don't think it's going to be Philly anymore, but uh, yeah, I, who wouldn't want this guy for a playoff run? Or, you know, I'm not sure how exactly it would work with him being restricted free agent still, but he's going to need a lot of money. So he might end up being a free agent if he's traded to a team that wants him for a playoff run. So we'll see. Uh, Wouldn't surprise me, let's say, I don't know who, the Islanders, you know, they add him for a a run and he doesn't resign there and somehow becomes a free agent. He goes and signs with L.A. or Anaheim and just as they rebuild, I could totally see that. But, I mean – for where the situation was as a Columbus fan you have to realize this is probably the best that you could have gotten for what was going on and there's still potential for more which is great i just i don't see line a here but one player we really haven't talked about is Rosselvik he's actually from uh columbus not of columbus or just ohio he says hometown kid so i mean he's a good playmaker he's got good passing he's got great speed um, he's going to have to earn the ice time with the coach obviously but um, he's got – I mean that's – he's a nice center that would uh, – he was also a former 2015 first uh, – 25th first-round pick. So that's not bad either. He's got some talent there. That might be more of a sneaky acquisition. He's only making $1.9 million, I believe this year and next year. Uh, that's definitely something that if he gels with Tortorella uh, would definitely do dividends for Columbus. And I think that would – I think they can make him the best player he could be. Uh, that's if, that's what I was going to say. I, I think he's the type of player
1: that in Winnipeg he was kind of buried on the depth depth chart just because their two their top two lines were kind of there. I, I, he wanted out of Winnipeg, and now with an expanded role, he might come in and it, he might live up to some more potential. And they might have gotten a steal that might be end up being uh, the the best part of the trade that comes back to Columbus. Um, and getting him for two mil for two years i mean i think that worked out really well and to get a throw in like that um that 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 could be a key piece for columbus moving forward
0: yeah i don't know if it was a money situation but if i'm winnipeg did i really need to include him in the deal well he 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 wouldn't sign a contract he wanted out of winnipeg so it was him that he was the other one that said okay yeah all right well there you go um it's funny because I'm reading it. He thought it was a shock. I'm like, Well, he expects. <laughs> so yeah, uh, two disgruntled players go out for one. The only thing not disgruntled in this deal was the third round pick. Um, I, it's hard. Both teams, you got to give them A's. You know, maybe you lean more towards uh, Winnipeg, or I'm sorry, for Columbus for this year, especially if they flip them for some serious assets. But you know Dubois, two years controlled for four. I think four. Uh, with yeah, Winnipeg's got some serious center depth all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So if they, yep. you know, they got a good goalie, they can add some more defense. Maybe they can turn things around and they got a cancer out of their locker room. So card to hate that there. Um, uh, we'll see what happens. I, if I'm Columbus. I'm really taking some feelers on what I could get at the deadline. And if I hope for me, it's a team that really is really good, but lacks scoring because that that would be perfect. Uh, But ultimately, we'll see what happens. It was definitely a shock and a surprise. Um, I'm hoping that one day I'm coming out of church and I read the Flyers acquired some kind of defenseman, but we will not get into that. (laughs) This is the Mass Mutual show, so I'm going to run down some games here, uh, and then we'll discuss who we think, team-wise and player-wise, how we're doing in the Mass Mutual East, and what we're looking at. Uh, Most teams have played five or Four or five games. Flyers have the most with six, but everybody else is in that four to five range. Uh, so we'll go we'll start with Monday. Uh, the Islanders did manage to edge Boston 1-0. It was Rask versus Vermarloff. excuse me. Pretty uneventful first period. Islanders got some offense going in the second. Boston has some good chances of their all of their own. Uh Barlamoff, I have to give him a little more credit. I still think it's that Islanders defense, but he he has been pretty good, and he really had. We'll get into this later, but he didn't give up a goal to start the season until a couple games in. Um, a few close calls. Uh, Nick Ritchie had a shot that managed to trickle through after a nice save, but it did not go. Finally, in the third periods. Third period, both teams were able to keep the offense up, but both goalies traded some nice saves back and forth. Uh, Islanders started to pick it up as Barzell Barzell rang a shot off the crossbar. Rask had to also deny Anthony Bolivier on a breakaway. The Islanders finally would score the first, last, and only goal of the game with about four minutes remaining. A shot from the point was actually deflected by Boston's Patrice Bergeron, and Pajot was actually to swat it in the air. Thought there was a chance of a high stick call there. It was pretty high. I don't even know if they challenged it. Either way, it stuck, and that's how they would end the game. Boston or uh, Islanders take the win one-nothing over Boston. Also on Monday, I'll just briefly manage just say this. Uh, we remember the Sabres embarrassed the Flyers six to one. then we'll move on to Tuesday. Flyers even up the series with the Sabres with a nice two to one win on Tuesday. Or, I'm sorry, no, there was three nothing. Elliot 3-0, 3-0 yeah. I don't know what two one came from. Elliot shot him out three-nothing. Looked really good. Uh, another Crazy. This is probably my game of the week right here. On Tuesday, I hate the Pittsburgh one, obviously. Pittsburgh edges Washington 5-4 in overtime. It was Casey DeSmith versus uh, Vanacek. Uh, and This was a crazy one. In the first period, <laughs> Washington scores all- early as a four-on-two quickly developed. T.J. Oshie would find uh, Lars Ellers across ice. Casey DeSmith was cheating a bit. Ellers was able to put it over his right glove. That was about five minutes into the game. It was all Washington early. DeSmith did come up with some key saves. Uh, Oshie in front, a lot of post crossbars here and a lot of good saves, but it would the scoring would open up again. Pittsburgh would actually knot it up. It came out of nowhere as Kappen, as new acquisition, and finally playing. Kasperi Kapanen shot high in Vanacek. That would somehow wind up underneath his on it, which sneaked through, fall behind him. He did flop back on the ice in an attempt to cover, but Blueger would come in and finish off that, uh, finish off the goal to get the one-one. So on the very next faceoff, Pitt actually wins the, the wins the faceoff back, but it was kind of weak. Washington jumps up on it, forcing the Pittsburgh defense to back off. Tom Wilson comes in, shoots high on the Smith. It looked like he hit off his mask, fluttered up in the air, and landed just behind him. And just like that, it was 2-1. First period, you're thinking it's going to go 2-1? to one. It would not end. Less than 30 seconds later, both teams would attempt line changes as Washington would enter the zone and catch Pittsburgh. D-men changing. Wilson would get behind the D, rushing that, and he gets hit with a nice pass from John Carlson. They go up 3-1. to one. Tom Wilson already two goals on the night. And, and, and then we finally end the first period, go to the second period. The Capitals would come down on a three on O. I don't know the last time I saw a three on O. They would not score. They did some back and forth passing and DeSmith Smith just stayed calm, cool and collected and was able to shut them down. Then they would go on a let's see if they get this right. Oh, I'm sorry. Then Pittsburgh would get up the game's first power play that would eventually turn into a five on three. Some tic-tac-toe passing and Jordan Yensel makes it three to two. Jake Cancel. I went to school with the Jordan Yensel. Uh <laughs> That's where that came from. Um, it, it was three to two at this point. Washington, as it seemed, they have all game would come back immediately after giving up a goal. Capitalize early on a turnover in the neutral zone. They were able to enter the zone, take a shot on that. A juicy rebound for Kuznetsov. He buries it. It's four to two. Washington. This is where things got really strange. And probably my the best play I saw of any of these mass mutual games, a five-on-three for Washington, an attempt to dump the puck in. The Smith catches it with his glove, places it on the ice, and flicks it over the entire Washington uh, power play unit. And there's Teddy Blueger right there on a breakaway. He actually looked like Marilyn and Mew sliding this through uh, Vanacek's pads. He had no chance. And they scored a shorthanded goal down 5 Five on three, and suddenly it's four to three. Pittsburgh was really start to pick up steam here as they would get their own power play. And Jensel would screen Banachek. Malcolm would blast it by. Suddenly it's tied at four. We would go into the third. As eventful as those first two periods were, third period, nothing. No no goals were scored. Banachek did rob Jensel pretty late to keep it tied. It would go to overtime About three at, at the 349 point in overtime. Jensel would enter the zone. Blast one with Crosby a streaking across. The initial save was made, but Crosby picked up the rebound, had plenty of net to shoot at. He would subsequently bury it and take the win. 5-4 Pittsburgh in overtime. This is the second time Pittsburgh has come back on Washington and won the game. So that sucks for that because I hate Pittsburgh, but you gotta give him you got to give him credit where credit is due. That was the highlight of the week. Um Next game we go on to would be the Devils. They would beat the Rangers 4-3. to This was the Jack Hughes game. Um, I mean, this was close. It was Blackwood versus Georgiev. Blackwood has been pretty solid this season. Um, it looks like the Devils would open up to scoring, uh, but then things would start to even out. Pretty uneventful period outside of a Devils scoring about on uh, miles would rebound that Travis Zajac buried about 30 seconds in. Not much else for the second period. The Rangers would start getting more chances and convert the 17-10 mark while on the power play. A shot from the point left a rebound for Chris Kreider, who actually attempted to backhand pass to a teammate, went off of the New Jersey D-man in front, trickled past him for a 1-1. Then Jack Hughes would seem to take take over here as he buried a rebound from Ty Smith from the point. Jack Hughes would then block a Truba attempt to keep the puck in the zone. He went down on a breakaway and was able to beat Georgiev. He actually had a goal or an assist called back when he hit P.K. Supan, but there was an offside call that brought that all back. I believe Hughes would have had a four-point night at that point. Uh, this was all devil's offense at this point. Uh, the Rangers did keep it close. Adam Fox with a really nice play. He was looking down the barrel like he was going to blast a shot. He made a no-look pass to Benajad, who rifled one Black. One on a tough-angle shot. Um, yeah, and in the 13-minute mark, Busnevich would skate through the uh, Devils' defense and throw the puck in front of the net. Philip Cheadle would finish it, 4-3 to three Devils. They were unable to tie it up at 4 and uh, the Devils took the win. I, I really liked the Rangers going into this year. The Devils are really starting to surprise me. They're getting some strong goaltending. A couple of guys uh, like Sharapov, Sherepov, I don't have his name in front of me, but he was the guy who uh, tied the uh, tied the or I'm sorry, did the overtime winner against Boston. Uh, this there was another player, and you see as I have the Devils and Islanders next. I'll just go into that because Scott Wedgwood would would get the start in this game. This is his first NHL start in nearly three years. Um, I knew I remembered his name, but I didn't realize it was that long. Uh, As good as he was, Barzell gave him no chance on a really nice shot, top shelf. This game, just to sum it up quickly, was all the Islanders. There was one shot that kind of looked like it confused Varlamov. One of the first goals, I think it was the first goal Varlamov gave up to start this for the season. Yep. Uh, Nathan Bastian ripped a shot that went right over his pass, but there was no screening or anything like that. And he was pretty far away, uh, but th- that was really it. Um, it was a lot of odd man rushes for the Islanders. They were all over the devils. They really had no answer. And in the third, they were hitting posts left and right, trying to break a record. It seemed like going into the third period, they started to the break through as we saw goals from Jordan Eberle, uh, Brock Nelson, and it, tension started to flare towards the end of the game, but this was all Islanders as they would win four to one. That was Thursday night. Uh, the only other uh, game that happened on Thursday night would be the Philadelphia Flyers as they managed to salvage a point after letting a two goal lead slip. I guess I should be grateful they got a point there because they were down in that game uh, in the third period They managed to tie. Uh, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on the Flyers. That was some of the highlight games of the week. Uh, Steve, is there any games that you saw or anything that you saw this week that really stood out to you?
1: Um, I think you brought up a couple that were that were good. That Pittsburgh Washington game was back and forth, and that was that was one of the more fun games I've got to watch so far this year. Um, I'll just kind of touch on what I've seen. Um, that Boston game, the 1-0 loss to the Islanders on Monday, uh, that was boring. Um, I didn't, I mean, sometimes I love a one nothing game or like a two one, like a low scoring game, but the Islanders just uh, they played boring. Boston played a boring game, and that it was that was a really nice uh a whack out of the middle, out of middle, midair of the puck. Um, that was a hell of a goal that they scored, um, in that game. But Stanika got his first NHL goal this week, unfortunately, it was against the Fires. Um, Boston's a, a weird team. I can't quite figure them out. Um, they came back. They scored their first 5-on-5 goal this week. Um, they looked solid against the Flyers. Now, we know the Flyers are dealing with some injuries, and I think that's really hurt them. Uh, a full-strength Flyers team, I, I feel like those games go a little bit differently. But Boston, uh, the jury's out on them. They looked like they had some spark, but I don't know how much of that was them and how much of it was due to the Flyers. Buffalo, we saw Lazar and Reinhardt look really good. Um, Eichel and Halden scored this week um, in their, their three games. Um, Olmark, we know, wasn't in the games against the Flyers for personal reasons, but then he had an overtime loss to the Caps last night. Um, or, I'm sorry, Friday night. Uh, that Buffalo top line looks really good, but, man, outside of that, they just uh, – I don't know where they're going to get the scoring from. Um, I know Lazar had two, but if you're relying on him to score two goals um, in games, you're probably not going to win a lot. Um, Their defense, you know, one thing I'll point out, Rasmus Dahlin, I know he was the top overall pick, what, two years ago. I didn't see anything out of him. And we got to see him firsthand for two games this week. He, looked, he, he didn't look like a, a quote-unquote generational talent D-man. I, I don't know what your thoughts were, but like, I kind of forgot he was out there a couple times. He played on the second power play, I want to say, and it just, I didn't see anything. He, he quite frankly looked pedestrian in those two games. Um, I don't know if you saw anything different, but there just wasn't there that made me think, wow, this guy was the number one pick a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point because he's not, and I don't, I don't even see like flashes of greatness. Like, he's yeah, got to put it together, he just seems like he's good defensively, but he doesn't seem to me. Rest uh Restalina was the best defenseman with Buffalo, especially 100%. the Flyers. I mean, and that's the guy that the Buffalo can't wait to get rid of. I'll tell you what, the Flyers take him in a heartbeat. I <sighs> it. They take him Please. right now, you know. And it's like I know Dalene's still young, but and. It, I just usually with guys of that generational talent, even Yakupov, who was not in the NHL anymore, he had that like flashes of skill. Now, I know it's defense, but I I get what you're saying. You're very underwhelmed. Like, if you were to watch him and somebody said, Yeah, this guy's generational talent, he's going to be the next whoever, you know, defensively. And you see him play, you're like, uh, (laughs) I'm like, What what makes you think that? Like, (laughs) you know, is everything he did in juniors or wherever he played or what have you? Because I'm not seeing a whole lot here. I, maybe him jumping right to the NHL wasn't the best move. Maybe him, maybe it's a Buffalo thing. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I totally understand what you're saying. And um, yeah, I mean, they're gonna need him because they don't have a whole lot. They are, a, they are a one line team. They're goaltending it might look good against the Flyers, but against the rest of this division, they're not good at all. They're, especially Carter Hutton. You know, they need Olmark to come back. They need somebody else completely. Uh, their only win right now is against the Flyers. They they are they played five games. They beat the Flyers, embarrassing the Flyers six to one. Uh, other than that, they've lost four games. Only one of them went to overtime, and I believe that was against Boston. I couldn't. Yeah. Be, yeah. Uh, Capitals. Capitals. But, oh, they took the cap. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Devils took the Boston to uh, overtime. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they took the cap, which is impressive. But like, they're at the bottom of the division right now. It's early. Uh, they only have three points on the season in five games. I mean. You know, just seeing – watching the games I've seen, I would much rather be the Devils than I would the Buffalo Sabres right now. You know, and it's it's early, but like – it's, it's you know – they've only played two games, and I have like what I've seen more from New Jersey, who's played four games. They have two wins and two losses, but one loss was an overtime loss, which means they've pretty much been in every game. The only bad game was when they played the Islanders. The Islanders owned them in that game. They wouldn't – they play this, it seems, and they've never played this way, the Devils. Maybe in the 80s. I don't know. But, like, they've always been that defensive team. They are looking more and more like they should be out west, uh, playing teams like Colorado and whatnot. They're really open – especially when Jack uh, – Jack Hughes is out there. Like That's when they were most successful. When they were playing the Rangers during that game, when I saw them playing that way when things started to open up and Jack Hughes had some ice, he knows where to put that puck. He yep. found – it didn't count, but when upon entered the zone, he was behind the Rangers' net skating backwards like Billy Lano style, just <sighs> looking at the ice like, who am I going to pass this to? And he just – it's a shame it was offside because it was a nice – not, it's, the guy was wide open, but he still found him. He still had the poise. He didn't rush to the net and try to, uh, you know, uh, pound it in on a wraparound or something. And it, it, I just, when they play this open up, faster style of play, th- they can be dangerous. Um, if Blackwood is the real deal, and they maybe add some defensemen, they're all not that bad anyway. And maybe another superstar kind of player, they might be able to turn their we thought they were a bottom-dwelling team. They be, might be able to turn that around pretty quick. I see the pieces in place. Uh, got to hand it to uh, Lindy Ruff. I, I think he's got these guys playing better than I thought they'd be playing. A lot of it is Blackwood. Um, but Wedgwood was also in against the Islanders. I don't want to kill them too much for that loss. To me, that's their only one blemish on the on the season so far. And They had a guy who hasn't started in three years in in net. Uh, I would have liked to see them get more offensive chances. They really did not, but that's also how the Islanders play. I um, know I'm kind of jumping around here. Um, before we start talking about each team in the division, kind of just went into Buffalo, New Jersey. Is there anything else you saw with these games, any certain players, Any of that? anything of that nature?
1: Um, Lafreniere still doesn't have a point in four games. Um, it's four games. Not going to go crazy over it, but I was kind of expecting a little bit more early on. Um, I think he got elevated to, I want to say, the top line after the second game. Um, So he's been playing with, like, uh, Panarin had three assists this week. Um, I know Hedl had the two goals. Uh, Zabanajet I think, had one. Um, I'm kind of surprised he's been held off the score sheet, at least like a secondary assist or something. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens there with him. And I think the Rangers might have a – two teams in the division, I think, are, are, are wondering what to do at goalie. Um, I don't think either one has really taken over, and that's the Rangers in Pittsburgh. Um, Georgiev got yanked against the Devils. Uh, Shosturkin came in, looked decent. Um, I think this was kind of always a 1A, 1B situation. Um, I was expecting more from both, but uh, I don't know. It's still early. Georgiev has the—or uh, was it—who Sh- who, uh, shut out the Islanders in the second game? It was Georgiev. Um, so it's, uh, both are taking their licks a little bit early. And I think day Smith, while he's been shaky, I think he's outplayed Jari, um, all this Pittsburgh love for Jari. Like he was good last year, but I'm not ready to anoint him the next Mark Andre Fleury in Pittsburgh either. I think the Matt Murray getting dealt was, uh, I think that may have been a little bit of an overreaction to Jari having a good year. Um, so, I think day Smith's going to push for some starts as the year goes on and they might be kicking themselves over blues and Murray.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know they had some fine. It's it's, what hurts is they needed the money too. Right. Yep. That's true. But they just didn't, I don't think they allocated it very well. They still have their issues with D they're getting hit with a little bit of the injury bug from when I last checked on D. Um, Luckily they got some offensive names that, and you know, Malcolm scored the other night. It was big for him. Um, If they can get going, they might, they're going to see a lot of those like five to four, six to five, you know, comeback games, you know, and it was like that with the Flyers. Uh, I mean, they didn't score as much, but they, look how quickly they came back from that 3 0 deficit and made it 3 2. Uh, They came back on Washington twice. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins played five games. They got three wins and two losses. Uh, I think two of those wins are in overtime. They lost both those games. So the Flyers are the only team to have solved Pittsburgh. Um, (laughs) I'm assuming they who they they must have played on Friday, they play uh
1: Rangers they beat them they, in they a beat shootout. Beat the Rangers.
0: And now to go into the Rangers a bit, the Rangers have played four games. They got one win and that was really their comeback. It was impressive because it was against the Islanders. Um that shutout they had after getting shut out themselves uh, and they went to one overtime game. Who did they go to overtime against? Uh the Penguins. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, there you go. That was an overtime. Day. Boom. So oh, there you go. So that's three games the Penguins have won have all come in overtime. Yep. <laughs> like, I mean, it, what was this? Do you have the score of that game in front of you?
1: Uh, the Pittsburgh Rangers. It was four three Pittsburgh in a shootout.
0: Jesus. Like it, so another, another shootout. I know it's not a crazy high score, three goals apiece, but it's not low either. You know, and another sh- overtime shootout. Rangers are about where I thought they'd be. It's super early. Only four games. They only got one win, but they took Pittsburgh to task. Uh, they did get blown out by the Islanders, but they did show when things are clicking for them, they are capable of beating teams. Uh, they just – they really – I thought they would have beat the Devils. That, that one kind of surprised me. Yeah, um, me too. And like you alluded to, uh, part of it is like – I know Capo scored, but was that last year or last year? Was that last week or this week? Because Lafreniere and Capo are two names I'm not hearing when I watch these games. I'm hearing Zabitajad, obviously Panarin uh, on defense. Um, Truba had a big mistake that led to the Jack Hughes uh, breakaway goal. Um,
1: Adam Fox has been okay. Capo
0: scored uh, Friday night in that Uh, game. Okay, so it must have just happened. Yeah, that's good for him. They need him to get going. Yep. Uh, but some of the younger guys that you know, I actually haven't heard a lot of. Uh, is he even playing? Well, he's got to be playing. Anthony um, D'Angelo. Uh,
1: I know he got he got scratched uh, early on. Did he? I think he came back in because I think I saw them that he was in, in in practice. Uh, yeah, he played on Friday.
0: Now we alluded to why he got benched, and we kind of mentioned he's got he has issues with his like temper. And he took a like I think it was, I don't know if it was a bad penalty or if he just took a penalty. But he was, he was like going off, like in the penalty box. And I think that's why he got benched, honestly. You know what?
1: You know what's funny? He, he didn't play against the Devils. He he got scratched against the Devils. So he's only played two games this year. But like, that's like their defense isn't great to be scratching a guy like Tony D'Angelo. Now, granted, maybe it's a met more of a trying to send a message to your team, but. That's – you just signed that guy to to some decent money in the offseason. You can't even get on the ice four games in, so you've only played – he's only played two of them. It's kind of surprising.
0: It's odd. It's odd for sure. I am um, – it's still super early. Four games can't really kill him, but there's a couple of guys that need to get going. Um, and all, you know what? We always talk about these goalies, Sorokin, Sherskin, and Samsonov. Uh, I believe Samsonov's out right now with COVID. Uh, uh, well – I don't
1: know if he actually tested positive, but him and three other Russians are in that uh, COVID protocol.
0: Actually, yeah, yeah, all the there's Russians. something we should talk about right there. What was it? Who, it was all those Capitals players? They were it
1: fined $100,000? Yeah, it was Ovi, Samsonov, uh, Kuznetsov, and Orlov. All the Ovs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what did you think of that? Like, I straight up told the league, oh, screw you, we don't really care. League league came down pretty hard, 100K? I
1: think they're trying to make an example of them. I mean, uh, according to uh, Lavi, one, there was one positive test and the fact that they were all together without mass. I mean, look, here's the way I look at it. You're, you're playing on the ice together. If you're off the ice and it's the four of you to me, I think that should supersede any type of rules. If you're around other people, I understand why the rules are in place, but if it's four guys that are teammates on the ice together in practice together or at the rink together, like the, the wearing a mask when you're hanging out together, doesn't necessarily make sense in my mind. Um, if you're with their families or if you're with outside people completely understand it. But if you got four guys in a hotel room together that are sharing the ice, what the hell's the difference? So I think they're trying to make an example in the NHL, trying to make sure that the, all the protocols are followed exactly to the letter. Um, but that's a big deal because you, you're missing those four players for four games. And in, in a f- 56 game season, that could come back. And if you lose a couple points because you don't have Ovi in the lineup and uh, Kuznetsov and Samsonov, that might come back to bite you at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I almost, I almost completely forgot that that even happened. And yeah. it does seem a little silly. Um, but I, I, you know what though, at the end of the day, if this was outlined and they, you know, it is what it is, like it might right, not be stupid, right. but they still gotta, or it might be stupid, but they still gotta follow it. I mean, if it were Flyers right now, can you imagine it or with the injuries we had? I mean, there's, you, know, oh, <laughs> like, you, wow. like, you know, we'll see what happens. It's, it's a weird year, man. Like we're just going to do the best we can. And I understand the, as much as stupid as it is, I understand the H the NHL's, you know, fear and all this, they've already had to push back, make changes to the schedule, cancel, postpone a couple of games, especially with Florida and Dallas and what's going on and all that. Carolina uh, and Florida. Carol, yeah, Carolina. Um, it, you know, it is what it is. I, right. What are you gonna do? The, the rules are there. You got to follow the
1: rules, whether we agree with them or not. Um, they're there to try and, I guess, keep this season going as as well as you can. Um, I mean, would – I don't know how much Henrik actually had left, but if a situation like this arose and you had Henrik Lundqvist as your goalie, um, I, I feel like if you're Washington, you feel a little bit better. But Vanacek went one and one this week, and he, he did give up eight goals, um, and both games were in overtime. But I, I feel like as a a Washington fan, you'd feel a little bit better with Lundqvist in there than Vanacek.
0: For sure. Um, and I guess my question is, I've seen this in a couple of games I saw this week. Washington has, has the offense, and they've been quick to counterattack. And when they give up a goal, get it back. But towards the ends of the game, they start to like, they're just not the same team that started the game. I think it's cost yep. awesome, them, particularly against Pittsburgh. And it's kind of. That's ahead. a good point. I,
1: I, like I feel like they come out of the gate hot, and then it's almost like they set, sit back a little bit, and you they, they can't seem to flip that switch back on. And you let another team get back into the game. It's a dangerous way to play. You're going to give up a lot of points doing that.
0: And it's funny because we said that's why Lobulette was brought in. That's his style. I mean, you don't turn it off in the third period. But is that because they're an older team? I thought Could if we would have seen this, it would have been later in the season. This is game like four, three, and four, and they're you know, it's all there, and then they kind of putter out. And I know the goaltender's not really. De- there are a couple of nice saves, but ultimately. I thought they were better than Pittsburgh. I think they are better than Pittsburgh and they showed to be better and let them come back on them twice. And then weren't able to, you know, finish them in overtime or come back or anything. They just, Pittsburgh just had to hang in there and they were able to come back. And then they had this uneventful third period where the game's tied. If anything, Pittsburgh was pressing, not Washington. And uh, they almost won the game of regulation. If it wasn't for actually a really nice save by Vanacek. Um, you know, but then they lose it in overtime, either shootout or overtime itself. And it's like, am I seeing what we thought we were seeing? Like, Lobulette's a good choice, but he, these guys are older. It's like I'm, I, these last two games, uh, pretty much all their losses have been that way. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I w- they're at the top of the division right now. They played five games. They won three of them, and the two they lost were both in overtime, so they managed to get points out of their two losses. So I can't hate that. But if And their goal differential, it's only plus two. Like They didn't have these high-scoring high scoring games. It's 19 goals they've scored, but they've given up 17. Ooh. Well, the only thing worse than that are the Flyers, who scored 20 and given up 22. Like that, that leads our division in goals against, but we'll get into that later. Did, um,
1: did you see uh, Chara um, just smothering? I think it was Lazar um, up against the boards. I, I didn't see what precipitated that, if it was a hit or something in the game. And he kind of just laid on top of him. And then I'm pretty sure the Sabres, as he was doing that, just went up and scored. Um, it was a weird little sequence. But Chara was just giving him the business on the ice. I, I have to think something happened. I'm going to have to go back and see what it was. But Chara was just all over him. Um, and then Buffalo just kind of went around and scored. So something to keep an eye on. Maybe uh,
0: maybe Chara's temper was getting the best of him there. It's so funny that you said the because uh, Vorchek did something just like that last night. <laughs> and, uh, it's true, and we're like, oh, I, I'm like he, he probably railed him, and we saw the replay. It's like it really wasn't that bad. Yeah, that's a you know? good point. Yeah, you know, we're down two to one. Takes a stupid penalty kind of early in the game, and you saw what happened. But um, yeah, I don't know, guys. They get older, they get grumpy, they, get, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, they don't want to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's stupid. It's a it's a shame. Um, yeah, I haven't really uh, seen much of him. I mean, when he's out there, you know, he's out there. But as far as plays. Uh, not a whole lot of positive, to be honest with you. Not, not yet. Uh, but, hey, listen, they're at the top of the division. Can't hate too too much. And it's funny because their goal situation is a little strange right now as well. Um, one team we haven't really talked about that I'll ask you about uh, it's Boston Bruins. Uh, I had picked this team to win the division. Um, I immediately saw that they're a little rough without Paschenik. Uh, but some of their depth was coming through. Nick Ritchie has been coming through a little bit for them. Um, Bergeron obviously they got they got some names they got some players the defense it seems I don't know if it's who they played but they're kind of settling out we saw what they did to the Flyers uh, if we'd have won that first game I'd have, you know, and just finished them didn't have that horrible third period I wouldn't think what I would i do now with Boston but seeing that they came back and stole that game Flyers snatching defeat from the Gajoles of victory uh, <laughs> and then to blow us out like that it was kind of like telling Like it was, it's, this team's, they're still there. There's a reason that they're as good as they were. And it wasn't just Krug and Chara and Pasternak being out They're They're better. They have a good coach. I'm not saying he's coach of the year, but he is a good coach. Um, They're a second right now. Five, and one-on-one, seven points, only one point. Well, they're tied with Philly really, but they definitely have the, uh, uh, the head to head. Um, Yeah, man, that's painful. So what, what have you seen with Boston so far? What do you think? I think they're a combination
1: of their first couple games and what we saw against the Flyers. I think the Flyers are severely missing Couturier. And last week when we talked, uh, I think I predict seven points. Uh, I Not that I underestimated the loss of Couturier, but without him in the lineup, it's just it's so much different. And then they lose Myers and – um, frost early in the week. And I think what we saw Boston come out and do to them is just, I think it was kind of a product of them finding something um, specifically five on five and the flyers just being severely shorthanded against a team like that. Um, I'm going to say there's somewhere in between. I'm not ready to say what they did last night and what they did on Thursday um, is a perfect reflection of what we're going to see later in the season I still think they're missing depth on defense. Um, I still think they're missing depth scoring outside of that top line. Um, but they showed that with the goalies that they have, they're going to pretty much be in every single game. Um, Bruce Cassidy, I think, did a really good job coaching this week. I think he had the matchups cooking against the Flyers. And it, it was, you know, I, I didn't think Hart played that bad in the shootout loss. Um I thought the Flyers played a good game for the most part with a bunch of hiccups in between. Um, And Boston capitalized. You got to give them credit for that. Uh, Hart, I thought, got uh, held out to dry a couple times. Um, But last night, that was just a piss-poor effort on the Flyers' part, and Boston came out and took it to them. So I I think we need a bigger sample size with Boston until we really know what they're going to be. Um, I, I just think that lack of, of true depth on the back end is going to come back to bite them some games. And if Rask and Halak aren't playing their A game, if you get a B game, I think that's where you're going to see that really shine through. But so far they look good. Um, Boston's going to be solid no matter what. Um, I just wonder if they'll be able to keep up with some of the other teams in the division, but so far they, uh,
0: they're, they're not looking too, too bad so I we should talk about the flyers a little bit simply because we're talking about Boston I will say it sounds like you're saying and I do agree with this Boston we don't really know yet there are they are the team that did lose to New Jersey but they are can be the team that beat Philly but the reason yeah. some of the reasons they beat Philly is our injury issues but also are serious issues on defense and I think they took advantage of that yeah 100 um, percent yeah so to get into Philly just a little bit, Because I have two questions for you. The first one is, do you think Gustafson ever was taught how to play defense?
1: Um, I don't think he can spell defense. (laughs) It it is a travesty. It's just like – and, you know, there there are certain things when it comes to playing defense. It's positioning. And then the thing that kills me – like this is my biggest pet peeve when it comes to defensemen – is lazy, weak clears. If you don't have something – like if you don't have an outlet pass – put it high and hard off the glass, get it out of the zone. These lazy, backhanded, weak clears that just get knocked down, um, guys pick off the passes, that's like the – anybody can, can not do that. And it's like – I don't know if it's Gustafson just not processing the game as quickly or or what, but, like, so many times we saw these these terrible backhand passes, just weak – and they're getting turned over, and that's how – like the Buffalo was killing
0: us with them. Um, they would do you, that,
1: and they would pick it off, and it goes the other way.
0: Yeah, and, uh, he, and you're exactly saying something I said after the Buffalo game. He has – he's a defenseman, and he has zero defensive awareness. Per, yes, like he does 100%. not know. It is – there's the puck. Get it out. You know, And he's by far the worst. But I'm starting to see now that we have more issues than just him. Besides we're lacking a, missing a player, besides injuries, Hag and Braun are not playing well either. You we want to talk about weak clears? Or in Hag's case, any clears. Any is kind of <laughs> just ice, ice it, ice it. Like it's getting silly. Yeah, but you know what? I'd rather
1: I'd rather you ice the puck than do that weak backhand shit that gets picked Ugh. off in the zone. If, if you don't have anything, right there. Yeah. ice the puck. We'll, we'll figure it out after that. But, like, turning the puck over at your line when your forwards are starting to break out, mm. all you're doing is giving the other team uh, an odd man rush starting in your zone. So that's, that's where the defense really has to help the forwards out. Now, here's another thing I observed before we go back to the defense. Um, and I don't know if you saw this, but it felt like the Flyers forwards were breaking out of the zone a little bit too early. Um, when you have Myers in there and maybe when Ghost gets back – um, as you get a little bit more of those puck-moving guys, then the forwards can break out of the zone. But I think with the way the defense is set up now, there's got to be more onus on the forwards to stop breaking out before the defensemen really are starting to break out. It felt like the forwards were leaving the zone too early, and then a weak backhand pass goes right to the D-man standing at the point, at the point, and you're it's a three-on-two because your guys just bailed out of the zone early. So I think it's a combination of both, but the defense just – Braun and Hag are brutal right now, um, and Gustafson. If it wasn't for his offense, which is like hit or miss, he he'd be like he shouldn't even be in the, in the NHL the way his defense is playing. So it, it was frustrating, man.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. I think they were used to having these fast paced games with better puck moving defensemen. And they haven't really yes. adjusted, and uh, you know guys like Connecting, he's he's the number one guy to break yes. early. He's already had so many breakaways. And he's, you know, I like that he does that, but right now they can't. They just, they don't have the talent back there. And we're starting to see that even without the injuries, the Flyers were down a top four defenseman. And this is probably going to be my spiel on our on our main show uh, because it's it's so apparent. And I see polls out there. What do you think their biggest issues are? And it's like injuries, defense. I even forget what the other ones are. And it's, I'm, I'm like, yeah, everything's a factor. But their fucking defense is by far their biggest issue. If everybody was healthy, it would still be an issue, you know. And it, it's just it's, it's it's mind-boggling. And even when you mention Couturier, it's for his defensive play, you know. And he's a it's it's all I don't want to say team defense because a lot of the forwards do get back, like guys like Lawton and Raffle and what have you. But like they need they need to seriously. That and their special teams have, have gone off a bit. Yeah. Like the Like Penalty kills, who which we always used to rely on. I think they've given up a goal in the last four games, if not one per game, if not more in, in others. Like the penalty the, kill is nothing what it used to be. The power play is exactly what it used to be. They scored early, but they haven't scored much since. And that's going to be a huge problem. Uh, the other teams
1: were converting at 42.8% this week on the power play. Yeah. I mean, come on. You can't win games like that in the NHL. No.
0: And you know who this points to? And I know a lot of fans don't believe assistant coaches do anything. I guess they just pay the money to (laughs) be the first guy, you know, uh, take a fall. But Michelle Terrian controls the power play and the defense. And I just – those are two massive factors. Penalty kills, that was at least better last year. I think if they get healthier, that could be better. It's more of a uh, personnel thing with me right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Injuries definitely don't help that, but you know, some you, you're supposed to make do. This is why they make the big bucks. You have to figure it out. It's still, listen, they're in third. I can't hate it. They played the most games, but they're they're in third. They have, you know, they beat Pittsburgh. They should have beat Boston. once <laughs> that really pissed me off. But they have two embarrassing losses, and I said after the first one, I hope that Buffalo did not just create a blueprint on how to beat the Flyers. And then they took some more injuries on top of that. Yep. And I saw a boss. If you just pressure this team in the neutral zone, God forbid their own zone. It, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have all sorts of offensive opportunities. And yep. those who are so quick to like blame Hart, I I don't know what else you want him to do. Sure, he could have had a couple of back. What goal he couldn't? But he helped the guy out for God's sake. Like it's getting silly, and it's killing me. Fancy. <laughs> it, it's it's oh my God! I can't even start the guy right now, but. They they got a lot to fix. I don't want to get too much into the Flyers, we'll, we'll back Oh, I do want to ask you one question though cuz I want to get your thoughts on this. Should and does Fletcher make some kind of move for the defense within the next week or two? Should he? Yeah. Will he? I don't
1: think I think it's really hard right now cuz I don't think most teams are in a position that they want to trade anyone yet. Unless you have the Pierre-Luc where he he wants out, line A wants out, and then you had that Greg Pattern-Ian Cole deal with the Wild in Colorado, like a one-for-one D-man. I, I don't know that there's a trade for the Flyers just yet. I think they are going to need one, um, but I also think Fletcher is going to look at it like, okay, we can get Ghost in the lineup. Um, and maybe get a little bit more speed on the back end and maybe a little bit more of a an, an aid to the breakout. Maybe we can see – I know their, their defense in the defensive zone needs improvement and Ghost, let's be honest, probably is going to help that. Um, but maybe with a little bit more speed and a little bit more puck movement, that by proxy helps you on the back end. Um, I don't think he's going to press any panic buttons just because I don't know that there's a deal out there to be made at the moment. Um, I think getting Couture back and getting Myers back would go a long way, um, but I will not be surprised if any time a D-man's name comes up for another team as being on the trade block, the Flyers are interested. Um, like a wrist align, he would, he, he would slot perfectly in this in this D-core, and I think it would fix a lot of their problems. He's tough. Um, he plays a defensive game. He'll contribute a little bit on offense. Um, I mean, if they want to move him, sure, I'll take him. Um, what do you want for him? But – I want to see a deal. I don't think it's going to happen yet, but something's going to have to be done um, before, well, before the trade deadline to solidify this back end. And,
0: and yeah, I don't think that, I think he should do something. I don't know if he can do something. What scares me about Ghost is the speed could be there, breakout could be there, but defensively, yikes. And, but, but is
1: but at this point, is he any worse than Braun or Hag? Um. Well, Gustafson, I doubt comes out of the lineup. Um, but is he any worse than Broner Hag? Like, can it can it be any worse? I,
0: no, I don't think it can get any worse. I guess exactly. But, but it's it's looking. You look at that defense, and you're just like, we're gonna have a field day with the Flyers goalie. Like, it's it, it's sad. And what scares me, which I'm getting to, is the Flyers have the most goals for in their division and the most goals against. They are essentially giving up over three and a half goals a game at 3.6 repeated like in six games. They've given up 22 goals in six games and they had 20 goals, but seeing that they're dealing with injuries and they, the way teams are playing them now, pressing them in the neutral zone, in their own zone, and they can't get the puck out. I think their goals four are going to dip, and that's going to lead to their goals against going up. And they're at a minus a differential of minus two right now. It's, it's going to get worse before it gets better, that's for sure. And I think I'm grateful that we're going to play the Devils right now, who are going to be without Mackenzie Blackwood, I believe, for these two games. But if I'm the Devils and I see that Flyers defense and I play that team the way that the Devils play the Rangers, that could – one of those games could be an embarrassment too. I had originally picked the Flyers to beat Boston in both games, one of them going to overtime, which almost, almost. happened. Uh, almost. But, they, but get blown out like that was like, OK. So I have them losing both games to New Jersey, but the way the things have gone down, I'm hoping for a split at this point. I'll take a split. That's, that, well, that's them without Blackwood t- as well.
1: All right. So I'm going to say this. And if I if we we talked about AV, how he should have won coach of the year by all accounts, um, he's a great coach. Um, I got to challenge him this week to. Well, I guess I have to challenge him to challenge the players to commit to that defensive style. Um, I think you've got to start from the net out right now. Uh, with what you're working with and the the injury you can't do anything about the injuries they are what they are at this point they're they're not coming back yet so you have to play with the guys that you have so commit to the back end um, Mm -hmm. take care of your own zone and then worry about the offense I I gotta focus on bringing that goals against number down I mean right now I think throughout the entire NHL you're seeing more goals than you normally would just with a shortened training camp Um, goalies aren't necessarily in sync you're still working with guys that haven't been on the defensive side that haven't been able to get a ton of chemistry so I think that number comes down but I'm challenging AB this week to really have that team committed to defense um, and then let the offense come uh, after you you've taken care of that end so that's that's where I'm at and if they do that I think they still have enough because I believe in Hart and I believe in Elliott um, and I think they'll be able to score but you gotta you gotta take care of your own zone first
0: yeah, you're right about that. I hope I hope they do do that and settle things out. But if the one weakness that I think we realize AV does have is the in-game adjustments, um, and I think he's going to have to do a lot more of that, especially if his team gets down early or gets you know things roll out of control a little bit. When it comes to close games, high-scoring games, I'm sorry, low-scoring games. He does get out coached a little bit when it comes to any in game adjustment he has to make and who lines up what line against who. He usually loses that battle and we kind of just hope for the best. Um, the when I think about the defense, I had this thought in my head and it's it's if I'm looking at the Flyers lineup like before a game and they always show the players picture, it would just be the top line would just be a picture of Proveroff and then a picture <laughs> a picture of Andrew McDonald, and then the next two pairings would just be. Pictures of Andrew McDonald. Andrew McDonald. <laughs> like, like they feel that bad to me right now. Yep. Like it is off and sandheim Listen, he's not bad, but he's. I don't think he's that good right now either. Um, he's pitched in offensively. He does make mistakes. You don't. You were talking about the weak uh, clears. He was earlier in the week. He was definitely yep. uh all about that. Like he could not get the puck out of the zone, uh, and it just. He, they're going to have to lean on him, and ProVal can't do it all himself, and I'm hoping that he plays better and doesn't revert back. It's <laughs> a lesser play because, yeah. Jesus, And it's it's really looking rough right now. It's scary. Anytime the team has the puck and enters the zone, I feel like it's the hackstall error of like 2015 during their 10-game losing streak where it just felt like anything that goes on net goes just goes in. And… We talked about the Flyers way too much that I had planned. There'll be plenty more to talk about, though, but I did want to get your thoughts on it, uh, what we could do right now. And it sounds like Fletcher's going to have to be not much he can do, maybe get creative. It's going to come down to the AV and the coaches, and then hopefully the players perform. Um, other than that, we'll get back into the Mass Mutual East we talked about everybody. Uh, Islanders, they are, they are in fourth place right now. They are 3-1 and one in four games. They have six points. Uh, only that blowout loss to uh, the Rangers is their only blemish right now. They have a goal differential. This is some of the lowest numbers here, and this is so Islanders. So as I pointed to you, the Flyers, 20 goals for, 22 against. Pittsburgh, 18-4, 21 against. Uh, Washington, 19-4, 17 against. Islanders, nine goals for six against and they were plus three like that's insane like it's it's incredibly low um but that's them that's that's the islanders and i think they got a majority of those goals uh against the devils (laughs) they scored four (laughs) in that game so take that game away they would be five and five (laughs) their their goal will be five and five uh but listen that's exactly who we expect them to be they're, I think they're, they might win this division. I know they're only in fourth right now. They've also only played four games. Um, when they're on, I really think they can beat almost anybody. Uh, you know, they just the way they play. You just trust their their goal scores with the puck. If they get a guy like Embray who had two goals going, on top of guys like obviously Barzell. Nelson and Lee get their goals in their ways, but the talented guys, Pajot, like if they start doing their thing and they play that team defense and Varlamov looks pretty – he hasn't been tested often, but when he has been, he's been pretty good. They can – and if Sorokin steps in and is something, if Dobson turns and keeps developing, like, ah, God, the more I talk about it, the more the team scares me. They're finishing first or second. Like that, that is just in the four games I've seen them play. I'm already convinced that they will finish first or second in our division. And I think if we were to play the Islanders tomorrow, we might get blown out, like or yeah, at I least shut out. Yeah, and it, it's just—it's going to be an eventful until they figure things out and start getting guys back. But God forbid we take any more injuries; it could be really in, in some big trouble. So I, I'll just leave it at: Is there anybody in the East? <clears throat> excuse me, that you. Really like, dislike, were surprised by in a good way or bad. And just final thoughts on uh, where we're at after four or five games of uh, this new season.
1: I think New Jersey is surprised. They've come out. They're pesky. They're young. They kind of don't know they're not supposed to win yet. Um, I think that'll eventually catch up to them. But I think they're going to be a tough out um, for this entire division. Um, Buffalo, I expected more. Um, I think we saw the good in the one game with the Flyers and then kind of the rest of the season we've seen more or less what we saw from them last year. Um, So right now they're my two um, up and down teams overall, though, the rest of the division kind of going right in line with it. Islanders I thought would be good. Pittsburgh right in the middle. Uh, I guess the Rangers would kind of fall in that disappointment, but I I think they're still a year away. Um, they're still put some, putting some things together. And until one of those goalies really takes over, I think you'll see uh, some inconsistent play from them. But I- I'm going to go with Rangers. I'm sorry, uh, New Jersey up, Buffalo down. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm looking forward to this thing kind of playing out. I think it's going to be a fun ride.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I look at the standings right now, my, the predicted standings I'd have, and Buffalo's essentially where I had them. Uh, the Devils are three spots up or two spots up. Rangers are spot down. Uh, actually, two spots down. Pittsburgh's exactly where they should be. Uh, Boston's only a spot down. Washington's at the top right now. Flyers are a spot down. It's, it's roughly all right there, and that, those are the surprises. Uh, as you alluded to, New Jersey. Buffalo's worse off than I thought they were. Rangers got to get it going. Pittsburgh's exactly where they were. Um, Islanders, I expect to ascend that chart for sure. Third and fourth, they only lost one game. You know, where the, where the Flyers have two blowout losses, one game where they completely had no they should have shut it down in third to had one of their worst third periods. But then we're supposed to feel good about the fact that they tied it to salvage the point. And then, oh, my God, I hate them in a shootout. It's just it's so, they're just so <laughs> useless, you know, for heart, man. Um, Boston, they're at the top, but I'm, I, I really do need to see more of them. Uh, as you alluded to, they do have the goalie tandem. They still need more depth. I think they took advantage of the Flyers' injuries and lack of defensive depth. Uh, and Washington's Washington. Um, they may have lost those two games to Pittsburgh. But, hey, if they win those two overtime games, they're 5-0. and you know? So you can't take that away from them. It's early in the season. We'll see where it goes. To me, the teams I don't want to play right now are obviously the Islanders. I think Washington would skate right through our defense. And um, the Devils should be interesting. The devils would be interesting. I think if we play Pittsburgh game with our defensive issues, uh, we might come away with a couple of wins, but they would be, they'd be eight to seven games. Like they would be through the roof. Um, so it's definitely super early. Um, not happy with what I've seen from Philly, obviously, but they are still technically in the top four, which is a playoff spot. So whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I will see how things develop. It was definitely an interesting week. Things are starting to come into their own. Um, uh, you got anything else there, Steve?
1: Just uh, please, Katoria Myers, come back soon.
0: Yeah, seriously. Uh, very we're have to say very some soon. Prayers. Seriously, I have to say some prayers because we can't <laughs> afford any more injuries. Um, I think it's official. Gustafson, will, after the season, will never wear a Flyers jersey again unless he <laughs> – I don't even know. <laughs> I don't want to give any options. It's just, he's done. Um, he's
1: going to steal his jersey and just wear it around to prove you wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah right. Him and McDonald. Uh, I think Ghost has a real opportunity here to sh- to silence some haters like myself. He wants to show me he don't grow on trees. Well, this team needs him now more than ever. Uh, if he can just be that guy, maybe... Uh,
1: That's a great point. He, yeah. We really need him to step up this week, show he's healthy, um, move the puck, just... that. He's got a chance to keep himself – play himself into and keep himself in the lineup this week. If
0: he plays well, yeah, and the Flyers either have better games or win, watch how quickly the narrative changes on Ghost.
1: Yep, 100%.
0: Yeah, and it's – I don't think it's him going forward as a whole. I just know how reactionary everybody is, and I would like to see him play well, obviously, because I want the Flyers to win. Um, He has the opportunity. If he plays well, I hope he continues to play well. But good God, do we need him for this stretch of injuries to play well. Like, please. And I bet you he comes in against a team like New Jersey. I bet you he shows some flashes, gets people all hyped up. But as I saw last year, he would then kind of teeter down after like a couple, two, three games in. Suddenly he didn't have that zip. Wasn't as impressive as, oh, he's back and all that. and you know. But if he comes yeah, out I- and scores, people are going to lose their mind.
1: I don't need him putting two and three points in a night. I just want him being responsible, and I want him to assist in the breakout. Um, Show me you're healthy. Show me something. Play yourself in. So if if he's ever going to get himself into the Flyers lineup, it's going to come this week.
0: Well, we will see. Fingers crossed. Uh, Yeah, seriously. So. Other than that, guys, that'll do it for this week. Please remember to check all HW content with the main show with myself, Kyle, and Jimmy. Uh, We have The Bright Side with Josh Bright. We now have The Sheriff with Kyle and Sean McMorrow. That show had its first show go. It was phenomenal. It's been all over everywhere. I strongly suggest you check it out. Um, As well as our website, hwhockey.net. All our content is on there as well. Uh, We are on the full press coverage app. We do have a YouTube channel which features HW on the fly. Uh, You know, that's it. That's it. God bless the Flyers. Uh, Goodbye, Flyers fans, guys, gals. Uh, We'll see you next week, and hopefully in some way, shape, or form, your Philadelphia Flyers are still at the top of the division. We shall see.